Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 221. My name is John and joining me tonight in his um, business casual uh, clothing is uh, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Uh, Not much. I am straight uh, out of work. I have uh, a cat in my lap and uh, I'm ready to talk about some Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a cat scratching at the door trying to get in here, but I'm all business. You're business casual. I'm all business, so I'm not wow. even letting the cat in. Yeah, that's, that's where <laughs> wow. I'm at. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi chapters one through three. Um, we normally like to devote an entire episode of our show to an episode of whatever, you know, Disney Plus show or Star Wars show is happening, but um because of celebration and traveling and the fact that there was two released at once and only a couple days until the third one was released, we have not had time to get together and, and record that. Um, so we're just going to do chapters one through three right now and uh, get that up soon. We're also, um, I'm saying it out loud to make it a reality. Um, we're also giving ourselves a time limit here of about an hour to record, um, which is wild because we'd probably generally a lot of times do like an hour and a half on one episode and we're going to do mm-hmm. uh, an hour on three. But Ryan, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I feel like what we've gotten here is the first half of the series and the show has established itself, right? So we'll be talking about like what this show is, who these characters are, how we feel about it, et cetera. And then I think for the you know second half of the season, um, we'll be able to devote episodes to each episode and dig in a little deeper on uh, specifics from each one going forward. Yeah. Also, we just don't have a lot of time. <laughs> We don't have a lot of time. So let's get into it. Um, Uh I love this show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is directed by Deborah Chow, and it rules. Um, I loved the first two episodes when I saw them at the world premiere at Star Wars Celebration last week. Mm -hmm. And um, then I watched the first episode again last night with my family. We didn't have time to get to the second one. So I've watched the first one twice. I've watched the second one and the third one once. But um, yeah, like I, I really love it. And um, I'm, I'm thrilled with the show so far. Ryan, how do you feel? Same, same. Uh, I, you know, I had been skeptical about the show and just it's like necessity and how it was going to um, the delivery and execution of everything. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I am a full on convert. Um, I, we kind of knew this when we started seeing the trailers and seeing footage like, Oh no, this is, this is something beautiful. This is something special. This is something challenging. Um, you know, it's, it's familiar, but it's new. Um, you know, it's, just everything everything i want out of star wars and i you know this is the first time where i'm like i can't believe this is on television like and like this isn't like a movie because to me this feels like you know the the way i elevate uh, you know a lot of the um a lot of the star wars films uh, on that level for me yeah, I think storytelling wise, it's closer to that level or on that level. And then also, obviously, it has some connection to the films as well. So um, and not only to the films, but um, to one of the most important relationships and stories in those films. So, so um, it's really adding some weight and some depth to the movies that we love already super well. So um, it kind of has a leg up in that regard. But uh, I think actually the presentation and execution of it all is 
also next level. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it all comes together in a really satisfying way. Um, all right, well, then let's start digging into it since we are on a bit of a time crunch, at least for um, us and the way we do things. So um, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the first episode. I mean, I don't think we're going to go through episode by episode necessarily, but um, the first episode obviously is establishing a lot of things, right? It's establishing the characters, establishing the conflict um, and sort of the, the, the plot trajectory of this show. Uh, but it opens up with... Um, order 66. Um, and, uh, I think that's a really interesting choice. Uh, I love that choice. I was shocked at first. I was like, "Wow, this is weird. Um, but it makes sense for so many reasons, in my opinion, one being that this is a continuation of the prequels and the heart of this story is the relationship formed between Obi-Wan and Anakin in the prequels. So, um, I like taking it back to the prequels. I, we have also found out that this show, um, at the heart of it, or, you know, one of its core, uh, most important pieces is Obi-Wan protecting a child. And so um, to open up with, you know, the failure of a Jedi to do that, or um, I guess just the consequences or the the reality of what happens if he's not successful in protecting mm-hmm. a child, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense as well. So uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a bold and interesting choice, but a really good one to open with Order 66. Yeah, I think um, it like the prequels i would say each each prequel film has kind of its own tone um and there's tones that overlap and like no film none of the prequels are just one thing they're you know there's like you know there's slapstick comedy in them and there's also like you know really uh dark and unsettling stuff in them as well. And I think this like opening with that, yes, it's familiar ground. We've seen order 66. I mean, we just saw it in bad batch. Um, we've, you know, um, we've, we've seen it in a lot of, um, other, other star Wars. Um, but I think it, 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 it tells you kind of the, you know, yes, this is a prequel story. It's this specific chunk of the prequels, this tone of the prequels. It is, you know, um, we're, we're talking late stage revenge of the Sith. Um, like, Hey, remember how this happened. Um, and I also, um, so I, I don't think it's like gratuitous or, fan service in any way i think um it's just very tonally important and like you were saying thematically important um as well um also it is just a just like an incredible kind of like one shot scene like i think we'll probably mention um you know uh a a few times the um just incredible artistry uh of this series and the just the amazing direction by uh deborah chow and you know everyone who helps her bring that to life um the visual aspects of it um and it's just i don't i don't know it's just it's such like a it's such like a perfect scene going from like the serene like meditative dancing into just the like extreme violence 
um, mm. and heartbreak, like just the way it all just flows. Um, you know, I think that's just, it's just incredible. It's beautiful. It's um, it, it took my breath away both times I watched it. Um, I would kind of, you know, I, th- and I think just on those merits, I think it's, it's a brilliant scene. It belongs. It's important. I think it will be elevated further if there is a specific story connection to that scene. Um, because we know like there's children in that scene. Um, perhaps one of those children is a character we're learning about, um, in the series. Um, I think, you know, um, I, I, I feel like if, you know, if just executed well, which I believe it would be like, that will add even more, um, you know, weight to the scene, um, in terms of like the story, the plot, the character development, um, and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, but we'll see, but I think just on its own, I think this, the scene like justifies its existence right there. And it's really striking. For sure, for sure. Uh, so then the next element that's introduced in the series is the Inquisitors. Um, and they are introduced um, per- basically through that really striking shot from the trailer of the three of them exiting uh, that ship. Um, but we have, uh, of course, the Grand Inquisitor and then also um, the uh, third sister, uh, who is Reba, um, and then also the fifth brother, right? So uh, we have this trio of um, Inquisitors. And, uh, you know, again, not, not stopping to go through like plot point or, or, you know, moment by moment, but, um, like initially with these inquisitors, when they're introduced, uh, like right from the start, we are, um, made aware of how threatening and, uh, frightening and deadly they can, they are and can be, especially Riva. Um, but then not only that, we're introduced to like the sort of the conflict between the three of them and um, their kind of differing goals. Uh, as I suppose it's like the Grand Inquisitor and the Fifth Brother have basically the same goal, right? Which is like do their job, do what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, whereas Reva has this fixation on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Fifth Brother even says something to that effect, like you're obsessed with him or whatever. Um, and so like right from the get-go, we, we learn these things about the Inquisitors. They're, they're not functioning necessarily, um, you know, together with the same goal in mind. Uh, and also Reva is the one who's like really hell bent on, on Kenobi specifically. Um, I think because she, I think at least so far anyways, the reason would be that, you know, she thinks it's going to, uh, you know, earn her a place by Darth Vader's side or earn her, you know, uh, more recognition from Darth Vader. Uh, right. I mean, at this point we don't know any other reason that she would Mm -hmm. be like fixated on Kenobi. Um, part of me expects that maybe there is more to that story that we don't know yet. I don't, I don't know for sure, but yeah. Um, Yeah. I think the, um, you know, they're sort of like it infighting and their willingness to like betray each other to further their own specific goals and like the power struggles and power dynamics there. And, you know, the people who want to like hold on to their place at like, you know, higher, higher level of power. 
um, and, you know, want to rub it in other people's faces. Um, and, and then those who are like clawing up to, and will do anything to, um, get what they want and like the lying, the deceit, the taking credit for things like all of that. Like, I mean, it's basically just like dark side stuff. Like that's, um, you know, that's kind of, uh, kind of who they are. And to me, I think that makes for like a more interesting villain dynamic than just having like, you know, one super evil character. Um, I think, you know, this is something that Star Wars has like consistently done well. Um, it's just like the machinations and like distrust, distrustfulness and deceitfulness um, with their, with their villains. Um, you know, an example I mentioned when we were talking earlier was like Krennic and Tarkin, who in Rogue One, how they were like, you know, working together, but working against each other. And like, that's just, you know, and they're not even like Sith or anything. They're just like Empire and like the, you know, the connections between the Empire and the Sith. Like it's still kind of coming from the same uh, school of thought. Um, And... So, yeah, I think it makes a compelling, um, you know, villain group because we haven't even, like, factored in Vader um, as as a villain yet. Um, but I think um, the, the story that um, of the villains that's, like, m- it's most centered on in, like, the first two and a half episodes maybe um, is Riva. And I mean, I think she's the most interesting um, of, of the, of the villains. So that makes, that makes sense. Um, And there's, there's some mystery to her story um, that I like legitimately want to know. Um, Cause I mentioned this before, like, I never really cared about the Inquisitors um, in in Rebels. Like, I saw them as a threat and, like, I understood what they were doing. But, like, they they just seemed just, like, kind of just generic evil um, to me. Um, and, like, I get, like, they're, they're threatening, they're scary. But it's kind of the same way, like, Phantom Menace, like, Darth Maul. Like, I think he's cool, but, like, he's not really interesting. Um, as a character, like I never like super, super cared and, you know, um, but what really actually got me interested in Inquisitors was Jedi Fallen Order and the mm. story of, of that Inquisitor. And they actually like, you know, kind of explained her rationale and like how she came to be. And like, then I was like, oh, okay. So that's actually like, that's interesting. And um, and I think they're taking it like to that to like the next level um, with with Riva in particular here. Yeah, I would agree. She's uh, she's certainly of the Inquisitor. She's the one who's um, most focused on her story is most interesting. Um, I uh, yeah. And, and I think whatever her history is, um, you know, hopefully at least part of that will be revealed in this series. I don't know you know, exactly how much time they're going to have to like go too deep on stuff like that. But, um, she is certainly a focal point of the show. Um, and I think will continue to be, although, um, 
you know, it, it may be something that we, we learn a little bit about in the show and then it has to be expanded on maybe in other places. Um, or, or maybe they will, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but we're, we're halfway through so far. So, yeah. um, yeah, but, uh, no, she's, she's really great. I, I love, um, I've loved her in, in every scene and, uh, really enjoyed her work. Um, I don't think we want to, or we just don't really have a lot of time to talk about it tonight, but obviously, um, you know, Moses Ingram has been, uh, harassed already. Uh, but, um, Star Wars, Ewan McGregor, Lucasfilm, um, her coworkers, um, and a lot of Star Wars fans have all rallied, uh, to her side and been, been supportive, um, and, uh, more firm than I've ever seen before in terms of like standing up to that right away and trying to cut that off at the pass. So that's been a really good thing. Um, and I, for one, uh, love her performance in the show. I think she's great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to continue to watch, uh, her in this series and beyond. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add on that, but nope, nope. I, uh, you know, this is what, uh, I, you know, I love to see it. The, the response from, from you and from star Wars, from fans, like, nope, we're not going to like speak in code about this. Like, we're not going to go through all the same bullshit again that like, we did with John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tran and like, you know, all, all of this garbage and like be too afraid to like say something about it because what if we lose those fans? Like, no, like they're deep. No, <laughs> like yep, just yep, yep, yep. come out. Yep. We don't, we don't need to dance around it. Just, you know, if you're going to act like that, you're not welcome and we don't want you here. Right. Right. Yep. It's been good to see for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, terrible to see, but the response has been good to see. Okay. Yeah. So, um, from there, let's talk about our titular character, Obi-Wan Kenobi played by Ewan McGregor. Um, speaking of good actors, I think Ewan mm-hmm. McGregor is kind of a good actor, Ryan. And I think seeing him on screen as Obi-Wan Kenobi again, um, as I expected it would be, has been just the best. Uh, I, I love him uh i love seeing him on screen um it's obi-wan kenobi um like no question like there he is that's that's our guy that's that's obi-wan and he's mm-hmm. back and it feels 100 percent in every moment like uh exactly how it should so i i mean i don't think any of us really were like oh, i wonder how it's gonna feel when ewan comes yeah. back as obi-wan i, we I, I wonder if he's got awesome. the chops <laughs> <laughs> yeah we yeah. knew it was gonna feel awesome but guess mm-hmm. what it feels really awesome so um yeah but but yeah, I, I love um, his introduction in in the episode as well. Um, you know, we learn we learn a little bit about like what is Obi Wan Kenobi's life like on Tatooine. You know, he's doing some basically manual labor, right? Like a, a, a low paying job, just trying to get by and keep his head down and lay low. Um, but uh, we also, I mean, two things that are really interesting about the way he's introduced or the early moments of of, of the the first chapter, first episode, is um, you know the fact that he's trying to reach out to Qui-Gon, you know, um, he's, he's, he's trying to do that. And even in the, um, I, I did end up watching most of the prequel recap, uh, before the first episode when I watched it here at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you probably saw that too, right? Cause you watched it, but they didn't show that when we watched the show, you know, at the world premiere or whatever. So, oh man. um, yeah, that place so would have like and, exploded if <laughs> it would have, it would have, <laughs> I, and I, I was, was really popping well for every part of that prequel yeah. recap. It was like amazing. 
Yeah. And actually I watch it all now that I think of it. Um, I, normally there would be no question, but I was watching with my kids and, um, you know, they're a little bit of a skeptical audience, or at least my older son's a little bit of a skeptical audience, especially because he wanted to continue watching stranger things last night. And I was like, well, we don't have enough time to watch a whole stranger things. Let's watch the first episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is way shorter. And, you know, so anyway, um, point is I did watch that. And, uh, and one of the things that was included there, um, in that prequel recap is, is Yoda saying, Oh, teach you to commune with somebody who's, you know, retain their identity in the force or whatever, like it, that's in the the prequel recap. So, uh, I think that's probably significant, but, um, I just love that, that, that's something Obi-Wan's trying to do, um, in this moment is, is reach out to Qui-Gon. And, uh, if, if he's successful in doing that at some point in the show, which I personally think he will be, um, then I'm hoping and, and thinking it's going to represent some kind of breakthrough for him. Um, because he's pretty broken. Like when we are introduced to Obi-Wan Kenobi here, it's definitely a broken version of him. And we, we highlighted those comments from you. And we talked about that a few times, you know, um, at least on this show leading up to the show releasing. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a quiet kind of broken version of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I like, right? Like he's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like hyper dramatic or, you know, um, melodramatic or anything but like just little things you know like when people need help he doesn't help them um he doesn't see himself as somebody who can help others because he failed to help anakin you know and um that's just that's such a fall from grace for a character like obi-wan kenobi that even though you still see that kind heart in the character even though he's not you know being he's not drunk and being self-destructive and you know what i mean he's Mm. he's like out he's not doing any of those things and yet for a person like obi-wan kenobi like this is probably rock bottom somebody who always would help and wants to help and and has the heart of a jedi um just you know refusing to to help um a, a fellow jedi refusing to help bail organa search for his daughter i mean these are like major um opportunities you know that the the, the obi-wan of old never would have passed up so um yeah i think that's excellent uh and yeah i don't know do you want to do you have any thoughts on that or i i think um like you were saying it's like how it's how his fall and his like broken state are communicated i think again is where like it goes back to like the artistry um and the amazing direction here something that i've like really started to notice um you know i something I've complained about a lot in uh, Star Wars. It's been kind of one of my occasional beefs with Mandalorian um, and was certainly there for like Rise of Skywalker is like no moments having nothing, having like a moment to breathe. Um, Mm. And just like, we're just jumping from like, you know, one, um, one plot point to the next and like, um you know one set piece to the next whatever it is and this show is the exact opposite of it because like every moment has time to sink in like i think it's just a slower paced show in general um but also um i think you know a big small thing that um deborah chow does is and she does this with multiple characters is just 
um, really just like letting the camera sit on their like you just keeping the camera on them like after lines of dialogue after moments where I think other people would want to like, okay, the line is out there. Like we need to cut to the next thing. But I think she just like belabors everything by just letting the camera sit on them so that you can just gauge their reaction. Like you can, and there's, I think like between Obi-Wan and Reva, there's so much just like, these like slight changes in expression that get you to either be feeling like empathy for them or concern, or just like, I think a lot of times in the case of Riva, just like wondering, like trying to like understand what she's thinking um, by like those changes of expression. And I think like jumping, jumping way ahead um, when we, she even does this with Vader where there's just like these pauses on Vader and you're like, what exactly is he going to do? Or like, why did he stop there? Like what's, you know, and we know that, you know, I think that's meant for us to like, know that like, okay, we know Anakin Skywalker's in there. We know Hayden Christensen's in there. Like we know there's gotta be some, some struggle happening like that's that's Darth Vader is that like in that internal struggle and I love that like you know that great directing technique also like she carried it over to like a unmoving mask as well and it still has the same effect yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and there is a in the scene in chapter three. I absolutely noticed like the mini reaction shots on Vader and kind of the the slow pacing of some of the things that uh, oftentimes would happen much more quickly in uh, in a lot of other projects or in the hands of a lot of different you know directors. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that stuff is great. Okay, uh, I just want to throw this out there. I love, love, love. I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but I love, love, love the fact that Obi Wan Kenobi is like you know, paying some Jawa. The first off that scene was hilarious. And in the, in the theater watching it with like people at Star Wars Celebration, people were cracking up at the uh, conversation between the Jawa and uh, Obi-Wan. But I love that he's trying to acquire this T-16 Skyhopper toy that he can drop off for Luke Skywalker. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure some could argue it's a little much because it's the same toy we see Luke using later on in life. But um, I thought it was subtle enough where like, you know, a small enough thing that it was, uh, it was nice. You know, I mean, the, I think the purpose of the scene and the purpose of the act is just to demonstrate that, um, there is some warmth from, from Obi-Wan towards Luke and that he cares about Luke and that he wants Luke to be happy, et cetera, you know? And, uh, I think going to that beautiful little T-16 Skyhopper toy is a, a, a fun, um, kind of heartwarming way to do it. So, uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, um, it also so that. Serves, serves the plot too because that gets um you know that that's gets kind of like become, this, yeah and so like it yeah. totally works in that way too and that scene's incredible you know we'd seen a lot of that scene um in previews and in trailers and stuff but i, I absolutely love that scene um obviously it gets tense after that though because uh you know ben is hiding in that 
you know, behind that wall or whatever, as the Inquisitors, uh, as Reva is threatening to kill not only that, uh, not only Owen, but Owen's family, you know, and basically says, if somebody doesn't tell me who this Jedi is, by the way, the, the Jedi played by, um, is his name Benny Safty? Benny Safty? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I, I knew that was his name, but like, I was like, oh, Ben Kenobi, like, I must be messing this up. That because <laughs> it's close, but yeah, Benny Safty. Obi-Wan Safty. Um, all right. Yeah. But, um, you know, basically we're trying to root that guy out. So they're so close to Obi-Wan, um, but they don't know it. And uh, anyway, you know, that threatening, that threat towards Owen and his family, like, I, I you know, we knew he wasn't going to break because we've seen episode four, right? So we knew it was going to work out okay. But at the same time, I was like, man, he's like, but basically she's telling him, I'll go kill Luke Skywalker, you know? Um, so that's obviously <laughs> uh, really um, threatening to Owen. Um, but then even for, for Obi-Wan, so like a super tense, like, is Owen going to say something? Is Obi-Wan going to turn that corner and say, okay, fine. Like here I am, you know, like what's going to happen. Uh, obviously I think the way the scene played out was the right way to do it. Uh, but it was so just, oh my God, so well-written and so well executed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was kind of our first taste of the kind of tension the show can deliver. And it is like, it's ridiculous because 90% of the like main characters in this show, we know their fates. Like we know what happens to everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it still manages to be, and I think like specifically in episode three, which I was like so tense for like yeah. 90% of the episode. Cause there's just so many scenes that are like just handled so well um, that, you know, it's, it's just, again, a testament to like the, the amazing, you know, the amazing direction, the amazing performances and something that, um, we haven't mentioned yet, uh, the amazing music, um, and that's in there as well. There's like a lot of, you know, a lot of like beautiful sweeping themes. There's like the adventure themes, um, like for like Leia, who we haven't even talked about yet. Um, but there's also just like, a, just a lot of like uneasy and, um, unsettling uh music as well in the score and just a lot of use of strings to like kind of you know build build tension in like the way you know um the way you'd get it in like a really classy horror film um yeah or or like a suspense picture like a hitchcock or something um like that's that's there and so like yeah i mean shout out or and it's just you know the way the way all those things connect the the visuals the direction the the pacing the performances the music like the writing like it's all just it's so so good and it can create these like scenes that were not just like you know that were like not just watching but like we're feeling mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll talk about Leia here in a second, but I, I just wanted to point out uh, or mention, I guess, the choices that Ben is presented with or Obi-Wan is presented with. Um, I don't have the name of the Jedi, the Benny Safdie Jedi, but obviously he finds him, um, which just talking about tension, like where do, where do they run into him outside of the 
the Lars Homestead, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, we're so close to this thing that I can't let anybody or this person I can't let anybody find out about like that to me almost just like that, that in itself was tense. Um, but he asked for help, you know, he asked for help. Like I have nowhere to go. Um, I need help. And, and, and Obi-Wan tells him I'm not the person I used to be, uh, or something along those lines. I can't help you. And then obviously the same thing when, um, Brea and, um, Bale reach out to him, um, for help with Leia. Like I can't do it. Find somebody else. I'm not the person I used to be like. Um, and I think in both of those, you know, cases it's, uh, and I already, you know, said basically this, but it just really is representative of, um, where he's at, how broken he is. And, uh, and, and I think, um, you know, in both cases, it's just a really strong way of, uh, of demonstrating like where he's at as a character, but also really still holding on to, you know, cause there's no malice. There's no, there, there's not really any, um, woe is me. I mean, I mean, I guess there is, but he's not, he doesn't lash out at anybody. You know what I mean? He doesn't, it's just like, I failed. Um, why would you think I can protect you? I couldn't protect Anakin. He doesn't say that, but that's the the subtext, you know? And mm-hmm. like, why would you have me go after Leia? Like the last time I had an important mission, I totally failed it. And, you know, as a result, you know, what, well, I guess he, I guess he doesn't think he totally failed the mission because he thinks he killed Vader, but, but he, you know, killing his best friend is a failure, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's something that's haunting him. So I, I, I just think failed like, you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think these two situations he's put in, um, it just works so well on so many levels. Um, for the audience, it works. For the character, it works. And um, for him having to overcome, because obviously he does at the end of the first episode, right? He chooses to get on that shuttle or whatever, that transport. He chooses to go off and and take up the call again. But, um, you know, he has to overcome that shame and and that lack of belief in himself. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is like, you know, in his role as a Jedi in, you know, the the prequels, the Clone Wars, he was, you know, him and others were kind of like everything to everyone. And, you know, he, especially when you look at like, you know, the cl- Clone Wars and stuff, like he was, you know, top of the class, like, um, you know, he was um, on the council and... uh doing just missions for days and like, you know, everything would always work out and he was, you know, relatively successful in everything he did and he could just keep going and doing all this different stuff and like saving, saving planets, saving systems, just nonstop. And then, you know, then all, all it really takes is, you know, just that, that one deep failure to like bring someone down from that. And I think it's also, you know, situational with the Jedi being hunted and um, the empire taking over. But like, also there's, I think there's a part of him where he's just like, I have this one mission now. Like I need to just be able to focus on this singular thing because I, I can't do everything anymore. And like, I'm like, and I think he's just like shifted his mindset to just be focused on this, one thing like hyper focused, probably too focused um, on on this one thing, but that's like all he can really. Yeah, bring himself. I do love when he makes the choice. It's not like some big heroic, like oh my god, like the way it's presented is still just so like 
it's it's slow paced and it's like am i gonna do it am i not gonna do it he does it but even when he does it doesn't like step forward with like this energy mm-hmm. or you know positivity or anything like that it's 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 still very um it feels natural to where he is at that stage uh also um i don't know if this was intentional at all or not but um I loved uh, the imagery of him going out and digging up that box of uh, a box with two lightsabers in it. It did bring me back to the rise of Skywalker and Ray, hmm. you know, burying those two lightsabers in the sand on Tatooine mm-hmm. um, different situations, but you know, yeah. perhaps there was an intentional, uh, you know, um, mirroring of the imagery there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's uh, just like a thing that kind of happens now. Like that's just, the the beginning the ending of stories like that's i mean burying something in the sand in the middle of nowhere is like you know that's pretty pretty thematically good no matter what yeah and it's it's also extremely logical for him right he's out there on Mm -hmm. tatooine he doesn't want you know you could put him under his bed or something but then somebody might find him you know what i mean so if you bury him deep down and, and obviously as you're saying right it's it's metaphor too, right? It's, it's symbolic that he's burying them deep, deep down and he's got to dig them up and like, really kind of like reach back into his past or reach into this thing that he had hidden and buried. Um, so, you know, it makes sense on a lot of levels, but I just, a little moment for me where I was like, Oh my God, I've been here before with star Wars and it's bringing back some feelings for me. So, um, but let's talk about Leia. Let's talk about Leia. Uh, so just on like kind of while we're on like the metacognitive, um, side of things, like, Something I really loved about when he finally agrees to bail and the argument bail makes is that she's just as important as Luke. Mm. And that is something that I think that is one of the biggest successes of the sequel trilogy and the Disney era of Star Wars is to like really bring Leia to the forefront and like show that like yeah she wasn't you know she wasn't out just like mowing dudes down with lightsabers like all the time but like what she was doing was so important and if you know the you know, the the post Return of the Jedi galaxy could have been a whole lot worse if she wasn't doing the work that she was doing. And mm. like she kind of discovered her purpose a little bit later than Luke, um, you know, throughout the, um, you know, throughout the original trilogy, even though like she was, you know, already like an important figure, even at the very beginning of A New Hope. But like she really you know, was accomplishing um, more throughout the original trilogy and then like beyond in the, in the sequel trilogy. And like, I don't, you know, Luke will probably wouldn't have been successful without her um, in, in the OT and, you know, the galaxy was a better place because of her in the sequel trilogy. And I think there is like that, like for so many years, we've, just you know at the the fandom the general consensus has been like you know it's always always been about luke um and that's kind of where everything's been centered and i think you know having 
I, I think that's that's changed, um, especially throughout the um, sequel trilogy. And I think just having Bale say that line, like, no, she's just as important as Luke is like, just it makes sense with the, the Star Wars story um, because it's true. Um, and but also I think like there is like that meta aspect of it that like, mm-hmm. hey, like, don't forget this <laughs> kind of like, yeah. you know, to the viewer. And I think that's perfect. Love it. Yeah, for sure. And 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 also in the sequels, like it's like um, you know, she could be just as important with Luke without any without having any force ability, without doing any force. Like she, she doesn't need to be a Jedi or have the force to be just as important as Luke. Um, and I think that those movies do demonstrate her importance outside of any kind of mystical or force type mm-hmm. things. But like especially by the time you get to Last Jedi and then also Rise of Skywalker, like um, you know, that aspect of her uh is is something that that you know, kind of deepens or enriches her character and our understanding of like, you know, um, her contributions and things like that, you know, and, and uh, like, and now's not the time or place to get into it all. But I think like, even like with her choice not to be a Jedi, like to put down her, you know, to to stop training, like that's kind of a, you know, a a meaningful and, and uh, kind of deep thing. And then some of the things that she does with the force in each of those movies, like, yeah, we see that she, she needed to be protected as well. Right. Like, um, and, and she accomplished, I mean, obviously she did a lot, but like to look back at it retroactively, it's like, you know, Padme has two children out there and they both need to be protected. And like, yeah, you've been assigned to protect one, but, and we've been assigned to kind of raise and protect the other, but, like, you know, we don't really think of it that way because we always think like, okay, well, Obi-Wan, he got the job to go to Tatooine, right? That, that was a job he got. But it's like, well, who got the job to watch over Leia? Because Yoda's just like on Dagobah hanging out, right? And part of that is because of the fact that some of these pieces were assembled after, you know, right. like after the fact. It wasn't all, yeah, like Leia didn't, she wasn't even Luke's sister when Yoda was first placed on Dagobah and everything in the Empire Strikes Back, right? So it's like there's, there's all kinds of, storytelling and and like real world things that that led to some of these choices but at the end of the day like there's nobody assigned to leia because it's not yoda right he was assigned to go fight the emperor obi-wan was assigned to go fight darth vader but when those children were split up like obi-wan was assigned to luke and there is no jedi assigned to leia so if something happens to leia then it's got to be obi-wan right and i love the way that as this stuff is all presented in the show it's like the the they 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 do a lot to present Bale and Obi-Wan as close and you know Bale says there's nobody I would trust more with my daughter um which I love to because like he says that about Leia in Rogue One you know when it, it, that's it, that's right right that, that line in Rogue One like there's nobody I would trust more like as they're talking about like, you know the moment I'm talking about and stuff yeah like, right yeah um, so that kind of echoed that, but, yeah. um, yeah, anyway, um, let's talk about Leia cause we are getting low on time and we haven't even mm-hmm. talked about this mm-hmm. crazy third chapter. We haven't even yeah. talked about the second chapter. Whoops. All right. So Leia, yeah. she's amazing. Um, God, she's so funny. She's so good. So good. Um, right. my wife, uh, described her as sassy Claudia gray Leia. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that. Um, the performance is great, but the writing too, right? The writing really captures the energy and the 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 wit of Carrie Fisher, I feel like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
and, and the way Carrie Fisher portrayed Leia. Like it's, yep. it, it really has that like new hope, like buckle in, you know, like uh, somebody's got to save our skins. Like it really has that kind of yeah. energy. The fearlessness um, um, to yep. even at like a young age. Yeah. And the, and the way she outsmarts that cousin and just puts his ass in place. Like uh-huh. it's so good. It's so, so, good. so good. Um, it, and it was one of the most thrilling things about the first episode to me. And, and, you know, it's a, a super important and, and really enjoyable part of the show overall, but just as it dawned on me, like, Oh wow. Okay. We're on Alderaan. That's Leia. And then as it dawned on me, like, we're not just like popping over to Leia to have, you know, her as a, you know, minor subplot or something like she's going to be really integral to this to the point where it dawned on me, wait a second, we were all freaking out about Luke Skywalker in the trailer for this show. And it was a total Mm -hmm. diversion because really it's about Leia. Like all those things kind of bit by bit as I'm sitting in the theater, like watching this opening episode, I was like, Oh, it's so good. Um, it's so good. It was so surprising and just, you know, as we've already talked about, it made so much sense. Like once you really sat and thought about it and like, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. like this is the thing that gets them off planet. This is the thing that, because I don't really want somebody to be sniffing around and almost finding Luke Skywalker necessarily, right? Because um, that, not because Luke's, you know, like it would be more bad necessarily, but just because it doesn't really seem like something that, you know, would happen based on where we meet Luke on Tatooine later on. And I don't know, all that stuff, right? It just yeah. like, and it would have, and it also would have been more, ex- at the same time, would have been more expected because that's like the thing that Obi-Wan's so afraid of or that we as an audience are thinking he's there to watch over Luke. So whoop de doo somebody comes and challenge, threatens Luke. It's like, I guess it would be fine, but this is just so much better. Yep, yep. It's a, it's like a swerve, but it's not like a, okay, you just like did that to like subvert expectations or like to try to trick me or to like get one over. It's like, wait, no, this is actually the most logical possible story here. And like, it makes the most sense and it's communicated so well. And yeah, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're saying it's not a Palpatine's your grandpa swerve. Got it. Okay. Um, if we had more time, we could talk a bunch about flea, you know, we could talk a bunch about flea and his little crew. I'm, uh, I'm Um, seeing the red hot chili peppers this summer. I have, I have concert tickets. Okay. We'll be seeing, um, that character, um, who's dead. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Somehow play bass. So that's pretty cool. Well, maybe reach out to their people and see if he wants to come on the show. You could like go backstage and interview him or something. Um, tell him we have like tens of listeners and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, see if he wants to come on. Um, all right. So second episode, uh, stuff that we should cover very quickly. Um, obviously there's the relationship between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Leia, which develops in the second episode into the third and hopefully beyond. Um, I love seeing them together. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think Ewan is fantastic working with this young actress and, and also, you know, the same is true of her. Uh, I mm-hmm. think their chemistry and relationship is fantastic. And again, these are things that like really probably I should have thought about a lot more, but didn't, but like, it's like, Oh, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Um, you're someone I believe in. You're someone who can help. Like, yeah, that's so much better now. And I think there was a few people I saw some, some dumb baby people who were like saying like, Oh, well, what about the, you know, she says that line to him. Yeah. She says that line to him. It's perfect. Now it makes all the, mu- all that much more sense. 
you know, cause before it was like, my dad trusts you, you know, he said, you're the best Jedi guy or whatever. Like, okay, cool. But also I trust you cause you saved my life when I was 10 years old. You know, it's perfect. Yep. I was, I mean, that was immediately like what I, what I thought was, you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Like when she gets to a point later in her life where she's like, well, this is about as bad as it can get. Who do I reach out to? It's yeah. Yeah. This is like all the things I was like afraid about. Like, uh, is this going to, you know, butt heads with the, with the OT and stuff? Is it going to like retcon things? Is it going to contradict things? Is it going to just make even more important? Is it just going to make things like weird and like unbelievable? Is it going to take me out of it? Like, no, it's making things better. Like, it's making things more more meaningful in the same way like I felt about the prequels. Like, yeah. So, yeah. okay, Kumal Nanjiani, uh, Jedi, uh, amazing, uh, fake Jedi. <laughs> really funny. Um, really, really funny. And it's one of these. It's one of a few scenes where it kind of like toes the line for me on maybe like you're just getting up to the edge of being a little too goofy potentially um (laughs) but then if you remind yourself like well this is star wars and there's a lot of goofy like it's nowhere near dexter's diner level goofy right and uh but this show like it is sort of a quiet like slow paced more reflective kind of show in a lot of ways um and so, yeah, like the Kumal thing, I love it. I, I Kumal is fantastic in the scene, um, and I think the writing is is really good too. Um, and I love, you know, it, it, it. I think it works. Maybe it works too because when Obi Wan is finally like, "You're full of shit, guy," like it's great. It's great to see Obi Wan call him out. It's great for Obi Wan to be like, "Uh huh, sure." And and even like with the Jawa, you know, it's very similar. Like when the Jawa is like obviously stealing from him, he's like, "Okay, well, I'm a Jedi. Like I'm a broken Jedi, but I'm a Jedi. I'm not gonna like get all." freak out i'm not gonna get angry mm-hmm. right like he's he's very accepting of and i feel, I feel like it, it it feels like obi-wan it feels like obi-wan from even the clone wars cartoon you know what i mean it just feels like that character um the way he reacts which is like peaceful and uh and, and understanding and um like i feel like he he's looking for the good in people rather than looking for the bad in them you know what i mean accepting them for who they are and like acknowledging their strengths rather than like you know, trying to catch them on their weaknesses or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that pays off because Kumail actually, and I was expecting it to be a swerve, but Kumail somehow, I don't really, I got to watch the second episode again, but he's able to give him the information he needs about how to go meet, um, you know, someone who's going to help him uh, on the next planet in chapter three. Like he gets that information from Kumail. So, uh yeah, I think I, I hope. I, do you think Kumal will be uh, will be back again? Do you think there's a place for him like later on in the show or no? No, I think with a series like this short, I think he kind of served his purpose. I don't think we'll see really anything or it's, you know, it's probably true. Um, I was just thinking like, well, if he if you know if there's he needs help again and there's somebody that he can rely on or you know whatever, like, I could see it. But yeah, I guess it's probably less probably not super likely. Um. Yeah, I, we've got to rush through chapter two. I mean, big big chase scene. Uh, a little too much wall jumping from Riva. That's one minor, 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 minor complaint I have. But she, there was, they cut back a couple of times to be like, did you know she can bounce off walls? And I was like, eh, okay, this is interesting. Like a l- little more than I need of the wall bouncing, but it was, it was fine. Um, 
and but there was that tension you know when she's chasing him on the rooftops and thing and, and that kind of thing and um yeah i mean we saw it in the trailer but you know she's telling him you can't escape him and and i guess like even right before that like we do get the moment which is super significant we have to stop quickly and talk about just the moment when he realizes when she tells him oh you didn't know he's he's still alive like anakin is still alive um i thought that was really well played it seemed, it seemed, I, I think the way it was written and the way you and played it was kind of, uh, I, I have not allowed myself to know that. And I am surprised in this moment, but also part of me did know that. I knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Like subconsciously just, I knew it, but consciously I didn't. That was just one of those, again, another one of those like lingering facial expression shots um, where you're just like, you're processing with the character brilliant um one one thing i will say about that chase scene um do you uh are you familiar with the the comic book series the video games uh dinosaurs for hire <laughs> no okay i know dinosaur so, cadillacs and dinosaurs no no but in the same oh. vein um it was dinomania okay. in the 90s late 80s early 90s um basically it's like dinosaur bounty hunters um and uh there's like a sega genesis game and stuff um anyway uh there's a dinosaur bounty hunter in this show uh (laughs) which is a dinosaur for hire so that's very cool you know if we were in a if we were in you know not in the dark times there would be a figure of that dinosaur bounty hunter and you'd buy it for seven bucks at target and it would be amazing hmm uh, well, we can dream someday, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we only have about 10 minutes left um, yeah. that we can record, which is not really enough, but we can we can revisit some stuff maybe next time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should devote all of it to Darth Vader yep. and his appearance in Chapter 3. Uh, there's the whole first half of Chapter 3 that doesn't feature Darth Vader. It's good stuff. Um, there's plenty we could say, but let's just jump to Darth Vader. Sure. Um, I was losing my mind. Were you losing your mind when you watched this like the first time? First I mean, of I'm all, like I, yelling at my TV. I'm I'm losing my mind. Okay. Well, first of all, there was like um, the moment where you were like um, back when we were talking about the trailer where it's like him getting like strapped into a suit and you're like, I don't know why that's in the trailer. They'll never use that in the show. If they use it in the show, it wouldn't even make any sense. That's garbage. And I was like, ah, are you sure? Um, so I was thinking about that as that part was happening <laughs> for sure. Um, also just like, but it's like even more like brutal and like, it's like bordering on like Cronenberg, like body horror, uh, yeah. <laughs> with that. That um, chest plate has some really pointy, oh, like, you know like yeah 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 yeah, it's gross Uh, yeah uh just you know it that again talk about tone like that was when it this episode took a turn for the brutal because there is some brutality uh by the end of this episode um yeah yeah because (laughs) when he's in when he's introduced when when because we see him in the in the tank or whatever and reva i think it's like reva talking and somebody's talking i don't know but they're they're describing the fact that he's still alive or i I don't know i only watched it once i I don't remember exactly but i think it was like a montage sort of thing where it's cutting between him being reassembled and obi-wan realizing what's going on isn't it actually like when he's kneeling and meditating or whatever it is. I remember in the, when we were talking about the trailer, I was thinking he was going to like look up and see Vader there. Cause he'd been captured, but I think that's what was going on. But anyway, point is, um, 
when when the Inquisitors like they're trying to escape, uh, Leia and and Obi Wan and the um, the the mole, the 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 rebellion, um, you know, uh, spy, uh, and you know the um, you know the Inquisitors are there on the planet, like on the street, right outside that building where they're hiding. And part of me was thinking, like, wait, I think is he there? Could he be there? And then you hear the breathing before you see him. And then you see the feet and the cape and like the way it's so slowly kind of introduced and it's so tense, but like also it was, I felt it like I felt it was coming. Uh, it was so, mm-hmm. so good. And, 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 but, and, and it was so good cause like the way it's done is so good, but also it was so good. Cause I was sitting there going like, like the Vince McMahon meme, you know what I mean? Like every mm-hmm. second I'm like, Oh wait, 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 no, yes, yep. he's there. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's happening. And then I was like, Oh, well, but Obi-Wan's going to hide and they're not going to cross paths. And then when they actually, it was like, Nope, there they are. They're crossing paths. I was like, this is happening now. This is happening in chapter three. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And obviously it's going to happen again, but I can't believe it's happening already. Like it was, Oh my God, it was such a fun, it was tense and scary too, but it was such a fun and such a surprising um, moment. It was such a, a big Star Wars moment. I can't, I can't believe it. I was thrilled. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And I think like there was there were moments where like it was like that. Is this is this actually happening? Um. Also, like the like the bef- even before that, when he like looked when they're like traveling and he looks out into the field and you see like Hayden in the cloak. Oh yeah, like. I was yeah. like, did I, did I just see that? Like, yeah. <laughs> is this like something new I just saw in 2022? Um, on just like a meta level. Um, but yeah, as it was happening, I was like, okay, is this going to be like, he's freaking out. He's having a vision is like, cause there's always, you know, I just watched, um, I just finished up watching season one of rebels and there's like so many like fake outs and visions and stuff that happen in like those last few episodes of that show. Um, and, um, but I'm like, wait, that actually makes no sense. Like there's nothing that would have like triggered that, um, kind of thing. So it was like just processing that. Um, and then, and then I'm like, okay, they're not actually going to like clash sabers here. Like, right. And, but then I'm like, they are, and it's in like, not at all the way I expected it to be like, there's no, like, this is a, this is a long way from uh, the Mustafar fight. What's happening mm-hmm. here? <laughs> like yeah. the, the furthest you could get from that. It is like awkward. It is just like Obi-Wan being overpowered. It's like this bit of hesitation from Anakin where there's probably points where he could have just, you know, put a saber through Obi-Wan, but he's like not really going for killing blows. Like it's, there's so much happening there. It, it's out of control. It's, it's so good. Uh, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, I was going to point out too, that as he's walking down the street and like, you know, snapping necks and stuff, you know, uh, to me, that's like the rogue one hallway scene, but a much, I prefer by far, the way it's presented here because he kills a couple people, you know, um, I don't even know if he kills all of them, but he kills a couple people, but it is done in a way where it's like, okay, this dude is Michael Myers. He is evil. Um, but it's not done in a, like, I don't know. I feel like he cut through so many people in rogue one, uh, in that hallway scene. And it was like really kind of like, 
kinetic. I think it was supposed to be yeah, kinetic and, and and like we really want to be like badass. You know, I think it, it was it was it was meant to be badass. Um, I, I maybe I maybe don't give that scene as much credit as I should, and I think maybe I should go back and rewatch it because you know it's also like those rebels are making this sacrifice. They're passing that thing one on to the next, yeah, you know, as that being part, that down. part of like, it is really good. Yeah. But, and, and I think, but it was just maybe watching it in the, with the audience too, in the movie theater, like part of me felt like, wow, people are super into this and it's like not in quite the right way. You know what I mean? But yeah. like watching this scene today, it's like, okay, he, he does a couple brutal things. It's meant to demonstrate how brutal he is. And Obi, and, 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 you're seeing it because Obi-Wan is seeing it. Obi-Wan is seeing like the Anakin that I knew. I mean, he knows he killed younglings. He knows all this stuff, right? But watching him be that brutal Darth Vader, like Obi-Wan needs to see that because well, I know Anakin's still alive. I'm showing you or Anakin is showing Obi-Wan yes. who he is also. Yes. Oh my God. It's so and good. it's, it's done in, and it's done through like him, like looking through like a, a window slit in like this, like David Lynch's blue velvet, sort of way it's something that was like co-opted by tons of horror films silent Hill, all this stuff like um in the future but he's like looking through the slit and seeing like these this like just it's brutality it's like cold like brutality and these are like these are not soldiers he's killing these are civilians and like the the horror movie part of it was so real like the uh, the part that like it's not even like the neck snapping or anything that got me the one that got me was when he was just dragging that woman yeah like just dragging yeah. her across the ground i don't even know if she died or what but like that was where i was just like squirming in my seat because like it was yeah. so it was so brutal now i don't think i could have loved uh the execution the writing and the the the, the execution of the scene any more than I did. I love every element of it. Uh, Vader is the one doing all the talking because he's the one with all the power, but he doesn't say that much. He says enough. Uh, and what he says is meaningful, but it's like an empire strikes back. Like, you know, Vader Luke scene, like level of Vader talking. He's saying things that feel like epic in scope and feel super important and meaningful to this relationship between himself and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, but they're not just chit chatting, right? It's not like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. In fact, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says almost nothing, which I also love. Right. And mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the fact that like the entire time Obi-Wan is just trying to like, you know, stay alive Survive, while he's processing. Yeah. yeah but, but, but partially because I mean, he's not up to the fight at this point, it doesn't really seem, mm-hmm. but also like he's processing what he's seeing in front of him. Like, the shock of what he saw as Vader was walking down that street, dragging the woman behind him, et cetera, like all that stuff, the shock of that brutality. It's the shock that he's still alive, even though, you know, he, he learned that consciously the previous episode, the shock that he's still alive, the shock at what he's become, the shock at like, I did this, I created this, which Vader tells him you created this. You know what I mean? Oh my God, it's perfect. It's so perfect. And I think like, you know, when Kathleen Kennedy referred to it as the rematch of the century and when we're first like processing the fact that Obi-Wan is going to fight, you know, Vader, it's like, ah, do I need to see that? Like that there's so many ways it could go bad. Obviously, we haven't seen the the final confrontation yet in this series. But like, I mean, every fear I had uh, completely assuaged by this presentation. And then on top of that, the flames thing, the thing with the flames is so good Mm. it's so so 
good. And and like when it first started, I was like, oh, this is weird. What's he doing with these with this fire? And then it's like, oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn you up, brother. Like, <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the flames reflecting in his like in the mask, like. Yeah. And then the reaction shots you were talking about earlier, um, you know, as I'm watching it, part of me is thinking like, well, why doesn't he like if he wants to kill Obi-Wan, why doesn't he just do it like and he could do it, you know, and then part of me continues that thought like, well, why doesn't he kill Obi-Wan? Right. Like, oh, my God, it's just it's so good. And the show wants you to think about those things. The show is asking those questions, cutting back to Obi-Wan burning in the fire, but then like him being kind of rescued or whatever and Vader standing there and watching it. And like, yes, there's a fire between them, but like I've seen Vader do some stuff. I'm pretty sure if he wanted to get to the other side of that fire or oh, he yeah. wanted Obi-Wan to get back to the side of the he fire, he's on, he could do it. it. Or right. jump and, through it, yeah. Yeah, and I th- I'm sure there are voices already who are saying like plot hole or whatever. Um, <laughs> cinema and, sin. Uh, yeah, oh my God, what is cinema sin, Ryan? Uh, no, what it is, is enriching this story and it's deepening it. And it's making you ask questions about what is Vader trying to do? Uh, who is Vader does, you know, what does Obi-Wan mean to him at this point? Um, why torture him, but not kill him in that moment? Uh, all these questions are super engaging, interesting, um, add depth to this character. And I love the fact that in this reintroduction of Darth Vader in this show, we see the brutality of Vader. Um, but even through that brutality, even through like the vengeful actions that he takes, um, it still presents the question of like, is the, is, is he redeemable? Is Anakin still there? You know, those sorts of things. Um, but in a savage way, Cause it's like, well, okay. Obi-Wan's going to wake up from this and be like, this dude held me in a fire and tried to burn me alive. Um, but we also need him to think to some degree that it's worth hoping, you know what I mean? Um, at least, I don't know, at least for a little while, I think, I guess by the end of the show, he's not going to feel that way, but, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's complex. It's layered. It's super interesting. I guess that's what it comes down to. Yes. Yep. All right. We've, uh, we've hit our, our, um, our time. Exactly. We're two seconds over the time I said we'd finish. Um, do you have final burning? I feel like I've just been doing a lot of talking the last 10 minutes here. Do you have anything that you, uh, you want to get in before we, before we go? Don't say, don't say burning. Um, well, I said doing talking. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. uh, no, I mean, I think I've, I've said everything that I can say about the show. Um, right now it is, it is a ride. It is beyond my expectations. Like even as my expectations have like risen, it is beyond them, um, and continues to be, um, just, if all we ever got were these three episodes, it would be like an amazing achievement. Like Mm. it just, I mean, it is. And Mm. this is like, I'm, I'm just like trying to comprehend and appreciate, you know, what we have. And like, and then part of me is also just like really greedy. And I just want to see the rest of it. Like I want to, it's going to be so hard to wait this last week or this whole week, seven days. Mm -hmm. Like it's brutal, but it's, it's also like really good giving 
us some time to like process things, talk about things, theorize, um, time to watch the episodes again and again, um, which I'm planning on doing um, for sure. Like just what a, what a fantastic project. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that it's something that exists and it's something we're, we're getting. Totally agree. It's the best, but we got to go. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. We will be back soon with more episodes of the blockade runner podcast, probably before, um, chapter four releases. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll for sure be back with a a chapter four in depth, um, episode, uh, next week. So, um, yeah, until then, you can find everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. If you want to reach out to the show, please tell us what your thoughts are. If you have questions, um, whatever, about Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Or um, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Blockade Run. Or Ryan, you are on Twitter at? Biamalay, V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y. All right, thanks again for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast. For all the Republic. <laughs>